All right, folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. It's the Tornado, Tony Pennico. And Psychic Tom Padgett with a red hot crystal ball. Uh, didn't you say Conor McGregor was going to retire this week, last week on the show? Do we have that clip? <laughs> I, I think I was a week off. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, crazy shit going on with Conor McGregor. Uh, it's all over the news lately. It just kind of broke last night and the night before. Uh, basically, he's uh, retiring, supposedly. He's not going to be on UFC 200. That was official today. Not going to be fighting Nate Diaz there. Nate Diaz joked on Twitter in return that he's retiring now. <laughs> he doesn't have to fight him. So, that's all kind of bullshit going on. Controversy. Uh, Dana White came out also and said that, well, if he retires, it'll have USADA uh, implications, which means maybe they got him on a positive drug test. Uh, and maybe that's why he didn't want to go to Vegas from Iceland. Another thing I was thinking about today. He's training in Iceland. They tell him, you know, you got to come back to Vegas or wherever they do in the press conference. Yeah, if I'm taking something and I'm training in Iceland... <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, they're not going to send a guy here. But uh, if I have to go to an event, yeah, they could test me in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, randomly, you know. <clears throat> so, who knows. But uh, he had said publicly at other events that everybody in the UFC is on steroids. So, I wouldn't put it past him to say, well, I have to be on him because that's the only way I'm going to beat uh, Nate the second time. <clears throat> who knows. Anyway, it's big news. Um, to me, I like it. It's funny to me. I, I laugh out loud when I think about it because it's one of those examples where one guy says, I'm bigger than the UFC. <clears throat> and he's gone out and he's become a spectacle. And now there's actually talks that rumors that he might be going to the WWE where he could do all those steroids he wants. <laughs> Well, I don't know. He's got to beat that wellness policy, and that's not always easy to beat sometimes. Yeah. Most of the guys, 60 days, 90 days, you got to be able to beat the test now, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Crazy stuff. So I don't know if there's oh, any <coughs> definitive steroid proof but, yet, but crazy stuff going around. But for anybody that says that they're bigger than a sport, um, you know, we're bigger than an organization. Because the USC is basically an organization of mixed martial arts. And it's hard to say that the USC, because I people say, oh, I want to fight USC. But no, technically you're fighting mixed martial arts. USC is not the sport, it's the organization. And to say you're bigger than the organization or you're bigger than the sport, it's ridiculous because, okay, maybe 40 years ago, 35, 40 years ago, Muhammad Ali could say, I'm bigger than the sport of boxing. You know, I'm bigger than boxing. Well, that's not true because Muhammad Ali got old. He had to retire. Boxing kept going on. Boxing found new stars. They found Sugar Leonard. They found Mike Tyson. You know, they found, you know, um, um, Floyd Mayweather. They found Oscar De La Hoya. You know, Mayweather, I'm bigger than boxing. Well, no, you're not anymore because you're retired. And they're going to find somebody else. They're going to maybe Earl Spence, who we saw look like a dynamo last week. You know, could he be bigger than boxing? No. But could he be a superstar? Yes. Right. Well, whatever the reason, I think, um, you know, he did act like it was his way or the highway. And the UFC said, fine, it's the highway. And it kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know, that hindsight is twenty twenty. And remember the conversation we had uh, with Dana White's mother, she she had mentioned to me that uh, she heard that Dana and Connor weren't getting along too well after Connor just basically bashed him in public at an event in Ireland in front of his people. Uh, so you can imagine how embarrassing that must have been for Dana White. And you know how a guy like that can probably take a grudge too far. Uh, it actually kind of reminds me of the, the, the sort of fake story that I ended up coming out with because I heard the wrong information about Joe Rogan retiring. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Was, it just <laughs> happened. Do. He had like a an obligation right around this time actually. It was on April twentieth. You know, he wasn't gonna be at the UFC event, so it kinda tied into that. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna quit. And it was because supposedly Joe Rogan and Dana White had this huge fight 
somebody that watched Dana have the conversation with him just flipped out on Joe for, for giving credit to um, Mark Cuban's organization. And he called Mark Cuban a bad mofo <laughs> on an ESPN mm-hmm. interview. And uh, apparently Dana White did not like that, called him up, and Joe, uh, rumored, gave his two weeks' notice, and he just happened to be on a uh, 420 celebration thing. He couldn't do the UFC event, so everybody thought it was true. And Joe Rogan actually had to come out and refute it. It's kind of funny because, you know, here I was even low, lower key than I am now. <laughs> so it was funny that he had to come out and refute it. It was that that many people read it just because I posted it on SureDog. He had to come out and say, nope, not true. But, uh, yeah, they definitely did have that argument, you know. every Every rumor has a grain of truth to it, they say. Well, we had some big fights as well over the weekend, uh, all kinds of fights. Poor poor uh, Steve Cunningham, former guest of ours, didn't do so well. But uh, You know what? I watched that fight. It was, um, I was watching something else, and I said, oh, shit, the fights are starting. So I turned it on, and it was the third round of the Cunningham fight, and he had been knocked twice in the second. And so he was already well behind. But... You know, he came back, he was fighting hard, and he was keeping pretty much even. But then he had, it was, he got a knockdown in the 10th, which was more of a forearm to the face. And then he was coming back pretty good in the 12th, and then he took another shot, and he went down again. And that's always going to be Steve's downfall. Um, and a lot of it, I know, it has to do with his balance. Um, because, like I said, I've watched him fight for a number of years. And there were sometimes he would go down. There were sometimes he'd be legitimately hurt. And there were sometimes it would be like a flash knockdown. And I was watching him a lot. And it was like sometimes he just it just seems like his legs just weren't together. Like they, they just I don't I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't know the word, but it reminded me of an old teammate of mine from Lock Haven, who was a silver medal silver medalist in the nationals. He only fought one semester for us, kind of like what Rich did. Um, came to Lock Haven. You know, started with us, competed, went to the Nationals. He was undefeated going into the Nationals. He didn't lose his first fight until the National Finals. He lost the decision to the Air Force kid. But I will tell you this, every, and, he could, and the kid, he was a 132-pounder, and he could punch like the Dickens. But every fight I remember, and, and most of them weren't knockdowns, they were slips or pushes, he went down every single fight. He was sitting there, and, like, even if the guy, the guy was in a clinch and the guy, like, kind of pushed him off, his balance was so bad, he would always go down. And then a couple of years later, he did turn pro. He had a couple of wins, and then he, his only loss, he got stopped. But once again, it was bad balance. You know, um, the, guy was, the guy eventually did score a legitimate knockdown and stoppage, but he was down three times before that without even getting hit. Right. Yeah, that's that. You know, and I, I was thinking of this, Tony, in, in the second round when uh, he got knocked down. If you remember, um, the commentator made a very, uh, very good observation. He's got to forget he's from Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but you know, because he. Well, they didn't I, didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't turn it on to the third round. Oh, okay, yeah, but, but that was so classic because, uh, you know, of course, the, the theory being don't get into a punch-out right now. In other words, just back right. off, clear your head, and go back to boxing. But Steve just uh, really was hanging in there, and, uh, you know, he really showed, though. Um, I mean, I know he was he was just outgunned, but what an experienced pro he, he was. I mean, there was zero oh, panic with him. I mean, there was no panic at all. And, and you got a young fighter, or a less skilled fighter, and after that barrage that they had put up with in the second round, knowing that there's 10 more rounds of this coming up, that could have been the end of it. But he hung in there, and yeah, really? fight, if he just would you know, if he just wouldn't have went down, that fight was could have been a lot closer. But, you know, hey, that's like if I had the right lottery well, tickets. Well, Tom, before you had, before you had started... Um you know, being on the air with us a couple of years ago, because we used to actually, Rich had uh, one of those webcams, and he would stream it live where you could only hear me, but you could actually see Rich. Mm-hmm. And so the one time it was when Steve's title defense against um, the funny law, his funny losses title, it was uh, Thomas Adamack. 
and we were we put the fight on mute, and we were doing the color commentary ourselves. And it was Rich, myself, and one of our guests, I mean Patrick McGillicott. And Steve, like the first round was pretty good. The second round, he's you know doing a real well round. And then like five seconds ago, he gets hit and he goes right down. And it's like, well, that round just went from 10-9 to definitely 10-9 for Adamac, maybe 10-8. That's a possible three-point swing. And then, like the fourth round, he's nailing Adamac, nailing him. And then, next you know, Adamac lands on the hook and Cunningham goes down again. We're like, damn. And then same thing in the sixth round. In the sixth round, he was finally hurt pretty good. And then at the end of it, I mean, he's hitting Adamac with bombs. He's picking his, like, he's literally hitting him so hard with right hands. Adamac left foot is coming up. But when it went to the decision, Cunningham lost by just a point. He won the majority of the rounds, but those three points on those 10 8 rounds cost him the decision. I actually, yeah, scored the second round 10 9 for Adamac, and I had the fight score to draw. But if you scored a 10 8, I would have Adamac be one point. Yeah. But yeah, that's always been yeah, his downfall his whole career. But, uh, just, just, you know, he, he just had a very educated jab and seemed to be getting wind back. And, I mean, I knew he was behind. And, you know, as he was getting instruction in the corner, uh, you know, go for it, stay smart, but, uh, you know, mix up the punches. But, you know, it just uh, just wasn't enough. And, you know, you know right. his personal situation had to be cheering for him so much. But, um uh, we're not going to overcome that. We also had uh, Errol Spence Jr. stayed undefeated and uh, beat Chris Algieri as expected. In, in spectacular Boy, yeah. fashion. That, that, was, that was, you know, there's an old phrase, a clinical destruction. Um, yeah. You know, I was putting myself in Algieri's shoes after the fourth round. I mean, all the guts in the world. I sure give him credit, but... I don't think he won 10 seconds of that fight. I mean, <laughs> for Spence, it was just like, again, it was almost like a, uh, just a glorified sparring session for him. I mean, yeah. everything yeah. was precise. Nothing. He just did what he wanted. And that was like what I said last week about this fight. And I was like, now, I had come out and said that, you know, Algeria had been through some tough fights now. And... Yeah. It was like, you know, you don't know how much more he'd be able to really take because he had that real tough fight against Provodnikov. You know, he had that real, you know, he had that beating from Pacquiao. He got knocked down something like six times or something ridiculous like that. So those two fights there, you already know, took a lot out of this guy's tank. And who was and the guy not who, who was not a big puncher as it is. So when you're not a big puncher like that and you're easy to hit, well, as an opponent, like an opponent, number one, a lot of times doesn't respect what you have to offer. And you have to make him respect that. And he couldn't make um, Errol Spence respect what he had coming back at him. And I, and I even know from a um, guy that I sparred with a couple times way back in the day, the guy would hit the heavy bag, the heavy bag wouldn't move. You think the guy was playing, and he wasn't. And I was, it was some of the worst sparring sessions of my life because I had no respect for him. I was walking in with my hands down, my chin up. You know, I was winging bombs. Because I didn't care if he hit me coming in. I didn't care if he countered me. Because for him to do that, he had to stand still. So I was willing to put myself out there as bait. Um, and a lot of guys with Chris Algieri, he has a good, tough fighter as he is, and he's got good skills. You know, he's easy to hit, and he doesn't have punching power. And that's a recipe for disaster. Because you can't gain a guy's respect, and your face is, you know, you know um, subject to busting up pretty bad. And, but you got to give Spence, you know, the credit because I mean, not only did he start the job, but he finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just so professional. But, you know, as you're saying about the lack of punching power, I mean, I don't care how good your the boxing skills are. At some point, you have to take a stand. Just maybe, just briefly, yeah. to let him know you're there. And yeah. like with Spence, you could just tell it was just he was just punching the time clock each round. No worries whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, again, both you guys know the difference. If your opponent really can't get your attention, then you can just relax and, okay, I'm going to hunt him down. I, I mean, it, it was just that simple. I felt bad for Algeri, but, boy, this is a terrible setback. I mean, right now he's got to be in the uh, – he's got to start asking himself some questions because uh, I guess he'd said before the fight he felt everything was really coming together for him, which 
before the fight. Uh, but anyway, sucks to be him if it's really true that that's what happened. What can you do? Um, big fights coming up this weekend. Saturday. Not too much. Gennady Golovkin, I guess, is fighting this weekend, right? Yes, he is. And I feel bad for his opponent. <laughs> is it the mismatch of the week? <laughs> I, you know, I, can, I honestly can't say because I don't know much about his opponent. Uh, but I, let me tell you what Ring Magazine says about the fight. Because I was just reading a little bit ago. I had my magazine out. Gennady Golovkin versus Dominic Wade. Okay, then we got... Roman Chakalito Gonzalez, who's considered the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now on the card against McWilliams Arroyo. But the significance of the Golovkin-Wade fight, this amounts to a stay-busy fight for Golovkin, who expects to fight Canelo Alvarez in a mega fight later this year. Triple G has stopped 21 consecutive opponents. Wade is unbeaten at 18-0 with 12 knockouts, but taking an enormous step-up in uh, competition. He is coming off a split decision over Sam Sam. Solomon last June. So he's already been out of the ring for 10 months. And, you know, he fought Sam Solomon, who's a very awkward fighter, a capable fighter, but a fighter that's also in his 40s. And this is coming off some knee issues as well. So the predictions of the four panelists, Golovkin KO5, Golovkin KO6, Golovkin KO5, Golovkin KO4. <laughs> so, so yeah, in other and, words, we could say this, this kind of a, a keep-busy tune-up. In other words, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, an official shitload of titles are on the line. <laughs> we got the WBA Super World Middleweight title, the IBF World Middleweight title, the Interim WBC World Middleweight title, and the IBO World Middleweight title. So, you got another three letter organization? They might, uh, might put a belt on. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. Gennady is uh, 34 now. Dominic is 18 and 0. So basically half the experience. But uh, maybe a little of the use. Maybe we see an upset. Well, who knows? Tony says don't bet on it, right? Exactly. <laughs> also, the uh, co-main event, Roman Gonzalez. He's 44 and 0 at flyweight. McWilliams Arroyo, his opponent, is 16 and 2. That's for the WBC World Flyweight Title. And uh, so those are two big cards, tough fights on that card. We actually got a big card over in the Philippines. Uh, maybe Manny Pacquiao will be there. Bob Arum is putting it on, so I bet he will. Uh, Mark Magseo is in the main event at Featherweight. He's 13-0, and fighting Chris Avalos, who's 26-4 and for the vacant WBO International uh, and Nodino Donaire, big uh, Philippine hero over there. He's 36 and three, fighting Zolt Bidak, who's 25 and one at super bantamweight for the WBO World Super Bantamweight title. And uh, that's a big fight. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be on any US TV though, unfortunately. Also, uh, Paul Fleming, 21 and 0 at super featherweight, fighting Miguel Angel Gonzalez. Who is 27 and no 22 and seven with a one draw, and that's for the vacant WBC Continental America Super Featherweight title. And, uh, I got Rocky fighting on this card. Rocky Fuentes, 36, eight and two at Super Flyweight, fighting Romnick Magos, who's 12 and five. The welterweight fight between Jason Pagara, 37-2, and, and Miguel Zamudio, who's 35-8-1 at welterweight. So, a stacked card over there in the Philippines. And, uh, see what else. What else we got? Big fight going on in uh, Sweden for the vacant International Boxing Organization International Light Heavyweight title. <laughs> Eric Skoglund, 24-0 at Light Heavyweight, fighting Rhino Liebenberg, who's 17-2. In the WBC World Female Super Welterweight titles on the line between Michaela Lauren, who's 26-3, and, and Ivana Habazin, who's 15-2. 
And uh, Switzerland. We got Switzerland fights. Cruiserweights. Laszlo Hubert. He's 44, 18, and 1 at Cruiserweight fighting Sefer Safiri, who's 20 and 0. For the wake, uh, vacant uh, World Boxing Federation Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. Holy crap. Lots of titles. You, you notice, Tony, in the latest Ring magazine, there was a, a big harangue about all these titles. Is that, was that the Ring magazine with Canelo on the front or the one before that? Right, right. Titles, 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 titles. What, like 153 of them? When I was a kid, we had eight, nine. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I'll tell you who's a, um, a, a major critic about this is our former multiple-time guest, uh, John Iceman Scully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he sent out an article the other day, and it was like, he's trying to figure it all out. He goes, you know, what happens if the interim champion fights the super champion with, like, the diamond champion? <laughs> it's like, it is. It's to the point of ridiculous. Like, the one time he he, wrote, he, put, he posted something on Facebook, and it was like, about all these titles. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, you got super champions, interim champions, diamond champions, junior champions. You know, international champions, uh, under-17 champions, um, <laughs> champions in uh, recess, you know, retired champions. Um, well, you basically, well, you imagine if uh, whatever organization decides to um, keep, like, Floyd Mayweather is, like, the retired champion. They keep collection sanctioning fees from them. So, basically, you're still hey, the champion. Well, you're the champion in recess. You're the champion in retirement. And you can still pay us, you know, a thousand bucks a month or whatever it is, whatever their sanctioning fees are. You know, it's like, that's it, it, ridiculous. It, it, yeah, uh, maybe we can get one where I can be the imaginary champion. The imaginary champion. Right. They, give me, yeah, they, they, they could give me, give me a belt. You know, I mean, uh, it, it just cheapens and demeans the whole sport. I mean, after all, it's like, oh, you were a champion. Well, what be? I mean, and I guess in the in the eyes of super casual people, that might mean something, but for for those of us that are hardcore, it's like it's just sad. It's just just pathetic. And you know, they, uh, in the article, yeah, Tom's the IBC champion. About, uh, the reason for it, with all the sanctioning fees and uh, and the ratings on television, oh, it's a, it's a title fight. Well, every week it is. Yeah. It's to the point that the one time I joked about it, say you and I were both turning pro, and we get our license on the same day, and our managers decide to piss up against each other. Great. So it's okay, basically, you're making your pro debut, you're fighting Tom, who's making his pro debut, and you guys are fighting for this title. So, yeah. you know, winner, winner gets a belt. And pretty soon it'll be the day, the day you apply for your license. Okay, you're now a professional, here's your title belt. Well, maybe maybe we could go one step further like that they do in, uh, I guess, in a lot of high school sports or in school. I've heard that they don't have winners and losers. Everybody, everybody wins. Everybody gets a trophy just for showing up. So maybe it'll get to that. Everyone. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. But, I mean, that begs the question. If, if everyone is, what's so special about it? I mean, when there was when there were eight world champions, that was that was special. Now you're sounding like Dana White, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. No. Um, yeah. I don't know though. I I would see it differently though if I was up and coming in an organization and I had a chance to fight for a belt and it, and it was cool and I don't. Oh, I'm care not knocking the fighters. It is what it is. You know, sometimes it's a good thing that hey, I got I got my little belt. But it can go to your head. I can remember going to the little wrestling tournaments and the kid going, oh, yeah, I got all these medals. And he had a room full of medals, but he wasn't any good, better than any of our wrestlers who didn't have half as many. <laughs> he just lived right next to the tournament, so he could go to the medal, get get medals all the time. I remember, like I said, and I talked about him before, we had a kid from Lock Haven. He was on the team my junior year. And, you know, he, he was kid like i don't know if he was adopted or whatever so he was always by his adopted parents like i said like i know like something about when he was in high school he had a problem with his one ear so when they were having like oh what you call it the like parent visitation weekend at lock haven dr cox was like hey tony you're the team president so 
I'd like you to have the gym open so any of the, especially the freshman fighters that are the first year fighters, they want to bring their families to see the boxing gym and see what they're doing. You know, you can talk to them a little bit here and that. I'm like, yeah, sounds great. So this kid, um, Chris, he showed that he was 112 pounds, and I think he was Filipino, actually. He was by far no Manny Pacquiao, I'll tell you that. So, you know, he comes there with his adopted parents, and his father was cool. His mother starts panicking the fact that he's going to box. Oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, he had an ear issue. And I said, I understand that. I said, you know, and then she wants to see the headgear, and she wants to inspect it, and she wants to see the ear protection on the headgear, and she wants to make sure this, and she wants to make sure that. And it's like, okay, now you, you lady, you're overanalyzing all this. You know, we use safety precautions. You have to pass a physical before every fight. So, um, and he was a, a, a goofy enough kid. So we have our first exhibition, and he and he's fighting a kid that ended up being a national champion uh, a year or so later. And this national, this kid from Navy smacked him around a little bit, you know, but it was an exhibition, no problem. So now we start having our, you know, regular weekly shows rather than a show at Mansfield. Now, Mansfield's a small school, but sometimes some of the bigger schools like Lock Haven or Penn State, we would give gold and silver medals to both participants, so everybody would leave with something. Um, so if I fought, you know, it was Joe Schmo today and I lost, I would get a silver medal. Mansfield, unfortunately, didn't really have the funds for their team to do that. So they would only give out a gold medal. Um, so I'm fighting the kid, Rick D'Artone, that night. Me and Rick ended up fighting three times. Um, you know, he, he won two, I won one. Um, that was our first fight, and he won the first one. And so I didn't get anything that night. Now, this kid, Chris, was there. He stepped on the scale at 112 pounds, and there was nobody else there at 112 pounds. He's declared the winner by default, and they put a gold medal around his neck. He walked around with that like he just, you know, knocked out, um, you know, Muhammad Ali, um, you know, in, in the greatest fight of all time. He's, and he's showing everybody his medal. So then he comes up to me, and he's like, you showing his medal off my face. I'm pissed off that I just lost a very close fight, a very competitive fight. And I'm really... You, Irritated. He's like, I got a medal. I'm like, he's like, I see you didn't get one. I said, at least I fought. I said, at least I got in there. At least I got in there and fought. Yeah. You know, so don't say shit to me, kid. Fuck you, um, you know, and then and then he then he had to focus on his studies, so he yeah. couldn't be with the team the rest of the year. And then the following year, we got another 112 pounder. Then he was starting to get jealous because now we're all talking about this other kid. But this other kid was a, was a numbskull. Like, he would miss practice, and he was always, you know, um, kid was like 18. He already had a, a child. I think he had another one on the way. The kid was a wreck. Um, and he came up there originally to be a wrestler, but then he ended up trying to box instead. So now we're getting ready for the regionals, and we're like, we don't know if this kid Mike's going to be able to, you know, we don't know if he's going to make a weight won't be a problem because this kid for 112 pounds was normally weighing 109. That's not a problem. But the fact is, he's going to show up. You know, that's what we're worried about. Now, is he going to make it to weigh in? <laughs> um, so we're like, and so someone goes, the coach is like, Tony, listen, you still know that kid, Chris, right? I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, I still know him. He goes, you think you can talk to him and try to recruit him back? I'm like, why? Why? They're like, because basically all he's got to do in the regionals is step on the scale. He steps on the scale, he makes weight. We go to nationals. By him being in nationals, we automatically already get one point. And that goes towards our national title, you know, totals. He wins a fight by hook or by crook. Now we get three. He wins the nationals, we get like 10. And I'm like, guys, I'll try. And then I'm talking to him. He's like, well, I'm up to about 116 pounds now. I'm like, you can lose four pounds in your sleeve, kid. Well, yeah, but it's different for you because you're much bigger than me. You can lose four pounds. I'm like, kid, I lost 15 last year. You can lose four. And, well, yeah. And then the one kid, and another guy pulled me aside. He goes, he doesn't want to do it. He's just trying to find an excuse. He doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, you know what? You know, just piss off. You know, I know you, you want to go there. You're going to get your ass kicked anyway. You know, I'm trying to get you to be named an All-American now. Christ, if you had a medal that you didn't fight for. And you were all excited. God, you'd be all American. You'd be, you know, wanting to call the national, um, you know, the national papers. But we couldn't get him to do it. 
but that's on the same thing, the same lines. You know, didn't want to didn't want to earn it, but he sure wanted that um wanted to brag over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> big news in uh, UFC. Uh, Kimbo, no, not Bellator. Kimbo Slice is going to be fighting James Thompson in a rematch of the famous uh, ear explosion fight. Uh, Thompson got uh, the big hematoma on his ear, and Kimbo popped it, and it, it was over. Uh, so now they're going to fight again. Uh, and it goes to show you the, uh, the, the lax setup in Texas. <clears throat> Kimbo was just popped for steroids. Already he's got his next fight lined up. Um, but uh, it's just the way things are set up in in Texas. You don't get a suspension for more than uh, a couple months, something like that. So uh, pretty pretty much bullshit. Uh, crazy stuff though. Crazy stuff. <clears throat> of course, you know I I wonder why Kimbo feels he needs steroids. I mean he's bigger and stronger than the yeah, average really. guy he's going to be fighting. I would think that lose a little weight and focus on some cardio. Right. Uh, we also had a big Bellator fight over the weekend. Uh, Tom was talking. Uh, he sent me an email. I didn't get a chance to respond to it. But uh, what did he say? It was uh, Glory on ESPN. It was uh, Premier Boxing Champions on NBC. Uh, UFC on Fox. Fox Sports, right? Uh, and then uh, Bellator on Spike TV. <laughs> You know, feast or famine, you know, give me a break. Holy crap. Can't keep up. Yeah. Uh, but I did watch the OC fights. Uh, it was actually pretty impressive boxing in the main event. Glover Teixeira versus Rashad Evans of uh, the UFC fight, uh, UFC on Fox 19. Uh, Glover pulled off the upset there, 25-4. Uh, and four. So Rashad Evans, 19-5 and five now with one draw. And uh, Rashad uh, was pretty much flash knocked out, but he was definitely knocked out. And uh, just well, yeah, did you notice that leading up to that fight, they kept saying which Rashad is going to show up? Mm-hmm. That's never a good sign when you say that about a fighter. Because <laughs> back in Rashad's in Rashad's prime, that never was mentioned. You always knew he was in shape. He, he you know, was, he he was ready to go. Now all of a sudden, all this well, you don't know which one's showing up. Not good, not good at all. And right now, you got to wonder if he. I mean, uh, this this belated comeback here is just is turning into an ill-advised comeback. I mean, that was about as bad as it gets. I mean, I don't know if he's going to give it up, but well, he's got some thinking to do. Yep, yep, yep. Jeez, uh, we got another. Bellator fight card coming up tomorrow, right? No, that was uh, Bellator 153. Yeah, tomorrow. What's uh, what's Patricio's brother's name? Tom. What's the name? From uh, Bellator, Patricio Frieri. What's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, Patricky. How come I can't find him on on uh, Sherdog? Hmm. Yeah, Patricio had to fight last there week, and then the other one, uh, Patricio, I believe. I, I, don't, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what the real last name is. I can't think of it now, but Bellator's got to add that. Uh, I looked up the wrong brother. The, uh, the UFC guy came in on short notice and fought the brother and uh, got his butt kicked by unanimous decision there. He represented himself all right for his first foray into the organization. You know, he was kind of expected to lose. But, uh, you know, he, he came to work. Got to give him credit. And uh, Patricky improves to 16 and 7 there. That was uh, over, over in Italy, so we get to watch that late at night on Saturday. Uh, and there wasn't too many other fights, so a lot of them were quick. <laughs> Uh, wow. Everyone ended before the distance, except for the main event. We had Alessio Sakara beating Brian Rogers by knockout. 
uh, from punches in the second round, 229 into the second round. AJ McKee beat Danilo Belwardo by TKO punches as well. First round, 244 into it. And uh, Anastasia Yankova beat Angela Pink by armbar submission in the very first round, 135 into that one. And then you had the uh, fight of the Daniels there. Danielle Scatizzi versus Danielle Maselli. Those are male Danielles, by the way. It is in Italy. <laughs> TKO punches. Uh, Scatizzi got that one. First round, 320 into it. So uh, the Italian fans got what they came to see. Some knockouts <laughs> and uh, submission to lead up to the main event. Uh, it was some good action. Card worth, worth watching anyway. Uh, and of course, we had uh, the Tiny Tornado, as I said, did not uh, get the win, but she fought hard through the three rounds of the co-main event there on uh, the Shara versus Evans fight. Rose Namahunas got her revenge uh, in this one. They fought before there. Uh, Namahunas got the win this time by unanimous decision. And uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov didn't waste any time. He TKO'd Daryl Horcher in the second round, 338 into that one with a series of punches. Cub Swanson got a unanimous decision over Hakron Diaz. Michael Chiesa beat Benil Darius in uh, one of the most impressive uh, preliminary fights I've seen in a long time. He was uh, kind of getting hammered a little bit, and he just pulled up and rear naked choke in the second round. Buck 20 yeah. into the round. But uh, probably the most impressive fight on the card. They were talking about uh, it being the fight of the night before the rest of the card was even out. To me, it was uh, Raquel Pennington beating Betch Cohea. And, uh, wow, talk about a comeback. Uh, and not a comeback, but just uh, slugging through adversity. <laughs> I mean, she just keeps coming no matter what. She had her eyelid cut open after one point and just kept coming and coming and coming. Beautiful fight there. Yeah, Beth, Beth just looks has that crazy look about her. She's so entertaining. <laughs> She's... She just looks insane. And she Take she leans up. with her face a little bit too much. That's the one thing that's... Uh, I mean, uh, Raquel kept nailing her with these elbows and knees to the body, I think, is what really got the win for her. So she every time she had an opportunity to whip the knee up in there, she would do it. And, uh, you know, we also had the Ultimate Fighter debut last night. Uh, 205-pound men and uh, strawweight women. So it was pretty interesting. And the rematch, of course, between Claudia Gadella and uh, Joanna Jedrzejczyk. However the hell you pronounce it. Everybody's got a different version. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I noticed about those fights, because, uh, of course, the first episode is all fights, um, is you could get a general perception of who is going to win from the body language after the first round. You know, you could kind of tell you who you knew was going to gas out. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's one of the things that you don't think about all the time in uh, mixed martial arts. But uh, it's kind of one of the reasons, I think, why Conor McGregor was able to get in a lot of people's heads. is because there is a lot of the game that is psychological, you know. And, uh, you know, if you don't have the physicality to back it up, yeah, you're going to fail. But if you have what it takes to back up you're being bold and in people's faces sometimes that's half the battle <laughs> well it's just kind of inexcusable for guys to to show up out of shape i mean back in the early days of the show we had that where there were a few guys that, that needed to lose 20 pounds in a couple of days and one guy just had a psychological meltdown and left and you know, maybe, I mean, it's pretty bad doing it in those days, too, but now you know no excuse for coming in out of shape. And, of course, uh, the Conor McGregor news is bumped off. Uh, talk about UFC 197, where John Jones is coming in against uh, a perennial underdog here, Ovin St. Prue. Comes in at 19 and 7. He is uh, basically a patsy for Daniel Cormier. 
And uh, he's being fed to the wolf, John Jones, 21 and 1 here. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if he makes the best of this opportunity and uh, and really shocks John Jones. But I'm I'm gonna have to uh, put on my psychic cap here and say Jones is gonna come away with this one, probably by knockout. But uh, you know you gotta praise a guy like Saint Pro for stepping up and, and taking this fight in the first place. That's balls right there. <laughs> and uh, obviously thinks he he can win without Daniel Cormier's help too. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of funny last night. Cormier was saying, hey, I don't have the blueprint. I lost to Jones. I don't have the blueprint to beat him. Right. And then we've got uh, another guy who's been unbeatable lately, Demetrius Johnson, 23-2-1, fighting Henry Cejudo, who's 10-0. He's got a very solid wrestling background. And uh, he didn't have a great last fight, but uh, he had a lot of excuses going in. He had some difficulties with uh, a flu or something like that, and uh, he didn't look that great. Yeah, he got a unanimous decision win, but uh, I think he was talking about like diarrhea the night before the fight. So yeah, <laughs> he had a bad, uh, bad weekend, wherever the hell that fight was. Uh, but uh, he kept his undefeated record. Now he's going up uh, for this big opportunity in Vegas here against Demetrius Johnson, trying to steal the belt. And uh, we'll see. I mean, it's something different. <laughs> we, we've seen Demetrius fight a lot of the same people. So it's a big one. And uh, <clears throat> on this card, we've also got both Pettis brothers fighting. Former guest of ours, Sergio Pettis, 13-2. He didn't have a great uh, UFC debut, but uh, he's going to be fighting Chris Kalides, Kalides who's 9-2. Uh, Carla Esparza, another girl from the uh, Ultimate Fighter, will be fighting also on the preliminary. She's ten and three, fighting Juliana Lima, who's eight and two. Uh, we got James Vick, eight and zero, oh, fighting Glico Franca, who's thirteen and three. Danny Roberts, twelve and one, fighting Dominique Steele, who's fourteen and six. Cody East, twelve and one, fighting Walt Harris, seven and four. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, 13-3-1, fighting Clint Hester, who's 11-5, and, and leading off tonight, Kevin Lee, 11-2, fighting Efren Escadero, who's 24-10. and 10. It's kind of crazy records for the first fight of the night. <laughs> but uh, after Sergio fights, we have the, the main bulk of the card. We've got uh, Andre Fili, who's 15-3, fighting Yair Rodriguez, who's 16-1. Rafael Natal, 21-6-1. He's up against Robert Whitaker, who's 15-4. And, and the co-main event, uh, in addition to the two big title fights there, one's an interim, one's a title one. Uh, Anthony Pettis, back in action. He's 18-4, fighting Edson Barboza, who's 16-4. And uh, unbelievable fight styles both of these guys have, especially with their kicks. So, looking forward to that one. Um, Barboza does have one of my favorite knockouts of all time with that spinning back kick that made the, the uh, opponent into a piece of plastic. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Terry Etten, I believe. Etten. Yes, yeah. Uh, I wonder if he's ever fought since then. It was that bad. Was it was like uh, somebody had uh, put the electric helmet on him in the electric chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's the kind of thing frozen come back the from punch landing. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, uh, another boxing match I did want to mention is uh, a former guest of ours, Randall Bailey's in action. He's forty-six and eight, fighting Jeff Horn, thirteen zero and one at welterweight down in. Brisbane, Australia, and uh, that's for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Welterweight title and the IBF Intercontinental Welterweight title. Also, co-main event, Solomon Halmano, who is 23-2-2 at heavyweight, fighting Manuel Alberto Puchetta, who is 39-11. That's for the interim WBA Oceana heavyweight title. Oceana, Oceana. <laughs> Oceania, actually, I think is how it's pronounced. That's a weird one. I can't even say it. That's how bad these titles are getting. I can't even fucking pronounce them. <laughs> All right. 
design a belt without an organization. Right. Well, Tom had a good one. The Imaginary Boxing Championship. There you go. IBC. <laughs> I got the IBC title. An imaginary boxing champion. Yeah, that, that would be the that, another IBC, right? <laughs> uh, maybe the I M the I M B C. The I M G B C. No, the I M G International. Okay, the imaginary uh, um, imaginary international boxing champion. So the I M G I B C. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. Oh. Uh, Nick, another boxing story. Nick Blackwell is officially retiring after coming out of his coma. There's no hard feelings towards his opponent, of course. Uh, and uh, actually, this kind of brings me into a bigger discussion about uh, the whole Conor McGregor retirement thing. If it does come through, is that's what he's going to do? Um, is it because he just witnessed a fight where a guy died? Does that have anything to do with it? I I am kind of leaning towards no. I don't know why. I just I got the feeling that that has nothing to do with. It. I think it's just him uh, trying to tell Dana White that he he's going to do things his own way and he don't give a shit what they want. Well, now just down so just before showtime tonight. Uh, there was, um, apparently he put out something else that he's not retiring. He's not retiring. So, yeah, I was just checking the underground, and apparently he, he put out something that says he's not retiring. Well, it's a pretty stupid thing to do in the first place. So who knows? Well, they're having a public pissing contest, I guess. We'll see. We'll see who wins. But... Um, another piece of news was interesting this week. Uh, the UFC just basically said they, uh, they're they allowing BJ Penn to come back. Talked about that, I think, last week. But now police in Hilo, Hawaii, are investigating him for this alleged sexual assault that the UFC apparently found nothing about. Uh, but uh, Ohio officials are involved as well. And uh, there's some big uh, dis disputes here between... Uh, a writer for BJPen.com named Pedro Alex Carrasco. And this guy said that uh, BJ sexually assaulted his girlfriend. And uh, Penn says, no, it didn't happen. Uh, he basically said this guy is a disgruntled former employer uh, employee. And, uh, you know, he's got beef, so he made some shit up. Uh, so we'll see how this goes down. But uh, it's kind of... <laughs> Kind of funny. The UFC says, "Oh, we don't. We didn't find anything now." But the now law enforcement says, "Well, wait a second. We're going to look at it and see if we find anything." <laughs> uh, another big story: uh, the trailer for the movie uh, *Hands of Stone* is out. Opens uh, August really? 26th. That out. It's about uh, Roberto Duran and uh, Robert De Niro is in this one as the trainer. They are so. Usher Raymond also in this one as uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. And we, we were talking about this movie years ago. Finally, it's been made. Uh, so the uh, the trailer is actually, I think, the top piece on our blog right now. You can go check it out. I don't think I've updated it in a couple of days. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been so busy logging. But, yeah, that's uh, in the news. August 26th, mark your calendar. And it mentions in the article about this that uh, the biggest movie, boxing movie lately is Creed. Biggest and the best. Yeah. Southpaw let us down. <laughs> According to this. Uh, <clears throat> well, it looks like an interesting movie anyway. Hands of Stone, and uh, I actually had the pleasure of being able to uh, meet uh, Roberto Duran in Vegas. Kind of interesting. He has a very big black bodyguard. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> he spoke no English. Uh, you know, he didn't. It's acted like he didn't speak English, so he didn't have to talk to me or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah. He, 
He's kind of a funny guy. He's got an entourage, that's for sure. Lots of respect, though. <clears throat> anyway. That's pretty much uh, everything that I've got. There is one story here on the, uh, the Wheelchair MMA League. Can you believe this? Oh, what? Wheelchair MMA League. Uh, Peter McCabe, chief executive. No, that's something else. That's for uh, calling off the sport. Oh, here it is. Wheeled Warriors. Colin Wood founded Wheeled Warriors, an inclusive combat sports organization. Started out with boxing, but in 2012 he announced he would be holding the first, the world's first ever wheelchair MMA competition under the name MMA WW Wheeled Warriors. <laughs> uh, so of course he drew a fair amount of criticism, but uh, now they've they've got it done, uh, and uh, this is pretty crazy. But uh, it involves people that are trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And they're paraplegic. They've made a couple modifications. A wheelchair that can be used with no hands. And a smaller version uh, that will be used in competition. Um, and uh, the reason why they do the smaller version is because it's, uh, it's a longer distance to the floor from a bigger chair. So they have to have a smaller chair to make it safe. Crazy shit. But, um, yeah. Paraplegic MMA. We've come to that. You <laughs> make money, you know? Wheeled Warriors. Alright. So that's about it. That's the last piece of big news that I have. You guys got anything else to add? How, how are your Phillies doing down there, Tony? No, they're seven and nine. Um, they're they're a rebuilding team. You know, nobody expects them to go far this year. But they got some good young pieces and some trades. So some kids, you know, some of the young pieces are still in the minors. These kids progress. You can, a couple years could be interesting again. Uh, I have to send you a clip. I was on the one local news station the other week at the game. It was windy and it was chilly out, and people were in hoodies. And there's me in a sleeveless shirt and a, and a sleeveless shirt and a cape. <laughs> awesome. So, but, but everything else, all else is good. I hurt my wrist last week. I think it was bothering me while I was doing some push-ups. And of course, what do you do when you um, you know, your wrist is bothering you? You tape your hands up and you box six rounds. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out too well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been bothering me. I was, um, I was supposed to get my tattoo this past Monday, but I had to postpone that one week. Well, so I went up to uh, I went up to Maine and brought back another sickness, unfortunately. It keeps, uh, every time I go up there, it's right. like uh, I bring back another sickness. So I got the flu this time. Fun. That's great. But uh, it made me come up with an idea. Uh, we built a trampoline for the kids up there at uh, my girlfriend's best friend's house. And uh, <laughs> trampoline fight league. Put a cage around a trampoline. Throw a mean Superman punch. Great. <laughs> That'd be hilarious, too. Make the trampoline big enough. <laughs> Isn't it great, like a, um, like a belly-to-back belly suplex to be on that thing? <laughs> Trampoline Fight League. These kids were doing it to each other, and I was like, oh, man, you know, they, they didn't even know MMA. Imagine people who knew MMA doing Trampoline Fight League. TFL. I'm going to patent it. All right. Tell you, man, set it up. You can make some money. <laughs> Trampoline Fight League. <clears throat> Couldn't have heavyweights on them, no. Most of them are only rated for 220 pounds a person. Oh, yeah, well, that could be a problem. No, no heavyweight division. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to call it a night. 
And I'm going to work on my imaginary belt title. Yes. And, uh, we got we got to get that. And once I get it, no reason we all can't share it. Exactly. No reason we all can't <laughs> have one. I don't know how clear crystal ball is this week, but you know, I'm going to let the prediction go to you this week. Golovkin, Wade, who are you picking? Uh, I would say uh, I, I'm, I'm going along with uh, the Ring Magazine. I don't see it going past five rounds. Yeah, uh, I got to agree with you on that. <laughs> yep. Or, or, right, or well, sooner. Now, if we're surprised, or sooner, exactly. Uh, We'll see, but I got to get this crystal ball going in the right direction. So that's what right. that's my that's my prediction, and I'm sticking to it. All right, all right, okay. one, one last one, Tom. All right, guys. Uh, does does yep. Conor McGregor really retire, or not? Uh, no. No. Okay. Right. No. That's that's you heard it here, folks. That's yeah, the final that's word. <laughs> I got to earn my dog food, so. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's what I say. That's what I say to my dog. Earn your dog food. Yeah. All right, guys. Till next week. Okay, next week. Adios. Hasta la vista, baby.